This is a fourth hand production. That that's basically the goal here. Uh, and when I say confirmation, it's confirmation of the extraterrestrial presence. Not necessarily getting into specifics. Exactly okay. how okay. present, when present, why, whatever. No, just present. Story in the news today. You believe in ghosts and the paranormal? Are they are they UFOs or are they like some crazy experimental you know governmental I don't you know, know planes man. that they're building? And police in Española are catching more than just criminals. They're catching images of what they believe are ghosts. It's this weird animal-like creature that was shot, wolf-like creature that just stood out in some odd ways. And welcome, everybody, to Strange Uncles yet again. I am Shane. I'm John. Uh, I'm Josh. <laughs> you, you always sound doubtful. Not too sure how you, you know, pull that you off, know. but, you know. De- depends on is, the day of the week, I think. I think he is doubtful. <laughs> I see the doubt in your face, sir. The listeners may yes. not, but I do. It's, uh, it's you know, just a healthy dose of imposter syndrome. Nothing to worry about. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. So anyway, everybody, welcome to Strange Uncles. Um, we're really not going to do a long intro here because we actually have a great interview for you, but it's a very long interview. Um, it's one of those ones where, number one, the guests we had on were fantastic. We had a tinge of, I, I think we the show got away from us a bit, and <laughs> so it ran a little long, but the information was so fantastic that I we just kind of let it run. So, yeah, it was great. It's yeah. just like, well, uh, fuck it, let's let it go. Yeah. Personally, I, I like to think we planned it on purpose, and um, yeah, we're that we intentionally oh. made extra Patreon content for you, wonderful Patreons. Mm, and I said all that for nothing. Yes. Well, with that being said, too, <laughs> <laughs> you Patreons, for those of you who are Patreon, um, you're going to get an extra like 45 minutes uh, bonus footage on this because you know it did go long. And uh, but not only that, but just some like behind the scenes and and just kind of amazing. So. Let's set up the picture for you guys a little bit. Uh, we actually had on a while ago, and I can't remember, guys. I think it was, let's say, episode four, episode five. It was Darcy Weir. Um, he was the one that came on with other Bigfoot researchers in regards to Sasquatch among wild men. Yeah, it was around the end of November, beginning yeah. of December. Yeah, it was a new documentary that he had out. One thing about Darcy Weir that I really i am impressed by personally myself is that Every single time we talk to him and every few months, there's another documentary. There's something else that pops up. Like he is always working. And that to me is impressive. He's got a lot of stuff underneath his belt for a short amount of time, if you ask me. Yeah, he's a busy, busy man. Absolutely. We're exclusively going to talk about um, an older documentary before that that he did called Underground, um, which is – it's about one man in general. But it's it's uh, Underground Tunnels – uh, underground basis, things of that nature. Um, and then he was also joined by Stephen Bissett, which actually is executive director of the Paradigm Research Group. Um, if you guys have not heard of that, definitely look it up. It is well worth your time. Wealth information. Oh, I, yeah. I think what he what he's compiled since 1996 when it came to, to be, it just phenomenal. I mean, we looked on his website. There's so many things there yeah. to unfold. 
Yeah, he's archived 11,497 articles. Um, oh my god. Pretty pretty awesome. Like if you went through these articles, um yeah. So I, this website is pretty incredible for sure if you want knowledge on any of this stuff. He's got Cheryl Costa's like any it's almost like any article to do with the UFO ET presence or anything like that is on is it, it, on is um Paradigm Research Group. I have a feeling I'm going to be picking through that here for next week or so for sure. You know, yeah. just to see. I've heard of Paradigm. I just never really went to that website and saw what you know what he's been doing. And you know, for those of you who might have guessed, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about uh, ET disclosure, and he's been supporting that. He's been a, a voice for that, and so is Darcy with his documentaries. And there's a new documentary that we'll cover in the interview that um, Stephen uh, was in, and Darcy actually directed. So. All good stuff. Uh, I don't really have anything else to add other than just kind of rolling in the interview unless you guys do on your side. No, I think we should just get right into the interview. It's yeah. really interesting, good conversation, so I'm excited for everybody to hear it. Let's go. Open the gates. So we have the pleasure to invite back on the show Darcy Weir. Darcy is an independent documentary filmmaker from Canada, trained as a video editor, writer, director, and producer in university and technical college, and has chosen to work on some of the more fascinating subjects that are discussed today. For those of you that remember, we had him on previously to discuss his documentary, Sasquatch Among Wild Men, and we welcome him back on the show to discuss one of his earlier films, Underground, that tells the story of Phil Schneider a government worker that claimed to be uh, to actually work on construction of secret underground bases and even had a possible encounter with aliens that may have been living there. That's not all. We also have to join Darcy, Stephen Bassett. Stephen is the executive director of the Paradigm Research Group, founded in 1996 to end a government-imposed embargo on the truth behind extraterrestrial-related phenomena. He has spoken to audiences around the world about the implications of disclosure. He has given over 1,200 radio and television interviews, and PRG's advocacy work has been extensively covered by national and international media, including being featured on CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, The Washington Post, The New York Times, and the list goes on. So both Darcy and Stephen, thank you so much for coming on Strange Uncles. Welcome. Hey, Shane, Josh, John. Happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. You know, and so... Here's where we'll start, I think, a little bit. You know, again, with Darcy, you know, we had you on before. Um, great documentary on, on Sasquatch. I, I think it, you know, we, we touched bases with it before. It's very unique, very unique viewpoint of, of what, you know, how to look at it and, and the whole phenomenon on that. Um, this, I can't actually wait to get into the subject because this is very interesting. And this, and again, this is where Stephen kind of comes into it too, is the whole idea of the government bases underground secrecy, these things that are, it's been swirling around us for a long time. Um, and that actually is in regard to your documentary uh, called Underground. Um, I, I think we'd like to start there, if you don't mind, Darcy, and just explain to the listeners of yeah. the purpose of that, kind of where it went and, and what the basic premise is. Sure. Uh, so in that documentary, you know, we kind of come out the gate with Phil Schneider introducing us to the idea that uh, the government or the military industrial complex, to be exact, is keeping 
um, truth from the public, a, a truth about extraterrestrial involvement on the planet. Um, and he also claims that he got into a battle with them uh, right out the gate. You know, let's not make this uh, a boring tale at all. Let's just <laughs> sure. jump right into the deep end. Um, and, you know, we, we continue from there. We talk to, we have some history on um, the government cover-ups of the UFO subject from folks like Richard Dolan. Uh, we then get some information involving a actual history of underground-based development since uh, post-World War II. Mm-hmm. From Richard Souter. Now, Richard Souter's uh, written four books on underground base facilities that have been built by uh, the United States military. Everything from shelters to protect the presidents like Camp David. That's kind of a retreat to, uh, you know, the underground um, bunkers under Capitol Hill. Uh, then we of course, must cover um, mysterious places like Dulce, New Mexico, and the supposed facility that may be there, uh, well hidden, that the people of this uh, neighborhood, you know, so to speak, this this area, the Hikarilla uh, indigenous peoples have been speaking about these mysterious beings that they've seen in this area for years and years and years. Um, Some say that they've found passageways into bases there and there's vents and noises coming out of the ground. Um, And, and yeah, and then we, we hear from more from Phil Schneider and his family uh, to be exact, Cynthia Dreher, his late wife who um, survived uh, Phil and his daughter Marie, um, and uh, narrated by my good friend Lee Lustig, mm-hmm. who uh, you know we technically worked on that film since 2010. I was the one uh, kind of first started writing it and editing it and uh, speaking to Cynthia, getting the interviews and finding all the people involved in in this information and this background and uh and then lee got involved and um did some writing too and some editing and and uh this has all been re-released in 2020 um as a director's cut and i will say in our latest incarnation we do kind of include a little bit of um testimony from myself and lee and uh you know those are from radio shows like this. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe it's Veritas radio with Mel Fabregas and, uh, Carrie Cassidy's project Camelot way back in, I think this was like 2015 that they interviewed us or something like that. 2014 maybe. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah. Uh, you know, I'll just say straight up that not everything Phil Schneider said was true. 
Um, you, you read and, my and mind a bit on that. I was gonna. That was my first question to ask you. Um, let's talk about that a little bit because some of this, for most people, kind of far fetched in what he was saying he encountered. Um, and I'll let you kind of illustrate that, I guess, a bit. Sure. So keep in mind that uh, there's a couple things that kind of led to Phil Schneider um, going into this sort of UFO. Um, conference circuit, so to speak, back in 1992. So the first sort of catalyst to that was his best friend, Ron Rummel, who he worked on this little um, sort of digest or news uh, letter called the Alien Digest. Um, Ron Rummel was found dead in Portland, Oregon. Hmm. And it seemed a little bit mysterious, uh, this was a retired Air Force, uh, you know, uh, how do I say it? Like a, a Air Force uh, member, I guess you would say. What do you, what do you call it? A pilot, pilot. He was a pilot. Okay. okay. And he was deeply involved in researching things like the Star Wars project, you know, which was weaponizing space in the early 90s and the late 80s and uh, you know, even longer than that, uh, under Reagan, they sort of started kicking that off the yeah. investment into those, those projects. Um, and Ron Rummel was found in a park, his gun, you know, we, we, I think we include in the documentary, even some of the police report, but the full police report on that suggests that, you know, something was a little bit afoot there because his gun seemed to be wiped clean uh, no blowback. Um, and if somebody shot themselves in the head, there would be blood all over their arm and that, yeah. that sort of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something sort of fishy about his death. And, mm-hmm. um, Phil ended up on TV, uh, basically providing his testimony that he believed Ron Rummel was on to something. He was publishing information about this, you know, uh, in, in their own little paper. And Phil was deeply paranoid about his death, thought that he was murdered. And, um, he started right around this time to go on the conference circuit. And, uh, he started before that when Ron Rummel, his friend invited him to speak at a, a Bigfoot conference, believe it or not. Oh, wow. And that's that, that's that famous video where he says, you know, the very first time, uh, yes, they do die. They are mortal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I shot them. You know, the, the sounds like a bit like Jesse Ventura, my, uh, imitation there, but, uh, <laughs> it's pretty good though. <laughs> thanks. Um, but, uh, you know, long story short, he starts speaking. Um, and in the end he died. And when he went on conference, he said he got into this battle. He had lots of documentation when he was going on conference uh, lectures, you know, and the documentation is what some people believe could have gotten him killed. Others believe that he killed himself. Even Stephen Bassett might say he believes this to be the truth, but um, I don't believe that. And there's two reasons why. The first reason is that his late wife and his daughter 
uh, you know, very fervently believe he wanted to live. He was fighting to live. Uh, he was empowered by living at that point because he had lots of things to do. People wanted to hear from him at all these uh, conferences. This was 1996 when he passed mm -hmm. and he had like a good little stint doing them a uh, couple years. So there's that there's the testimony from his own family. The other thing is that, um, you know, you have people like Anthony Sanchez who wrote UFO highway um, and this supposed military colonel uh, who worked at DS3, which is like the code name for the Dulce, New Mexico uh, base. Right. Uh, this guy said he actually met with Schneider a few months before his demise and handed him a, a, an envelope full of information. Hmm. And I'm going to kind of liken what happened to Phil to, say, Paul Benowitz. Paul Benowitz, if you guys don't know who that is, very intelligent man. He owned his own uh, private airport. Um, he was a pretty regular guy until the early 90s, literally 1990. He came out saying that uh, he intercepted some communications and he believed it was um, a originating from an alien spacecraft located outside of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, and he believed that a secret alien facility called Dulce, the Dulce base mm -hmm. um, was there and that there was a alien sort of encampment there. Now this is, he wrote a paper entitled project Be beta in 1988. So this is leading up to um, 1990 when he kind of went super public with it. Uh, his whole business enterprise shut down. His family left him. And somebody who intercepted him and handed him a very thick stack of papers that expected him to disseminate this information to the public about the UFO issue and aliens and such was uh, Richard Doty. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so Richard Doty's done this. Then we hear about this military colonel that apparently worked at Dulles, New Mexico was trying to use Phil to disseminate information. And both of these individuals died. Ron Rummel died. You know, it, a lot of lore is, uh, built into the story of Dulce, New Mexico. I don't, I don't believe that Phil got into a firefight with aliens and that's how he lost his fingers. There's a photo that has surfaced since, um, you know, uh, the documentary had first come out and such where he was a lot younger. He was actually in the Vietnam war and sh showing in this photo, you can see he's missing these fingers. Oh, um, Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I, yeah, but I will say um, he had a lot of documentation. He went on tour with him. Mm -hmm. His family seems to have a deep black project military history. He was a geologist. He was a engineer, so to speak. And he did have two social, 
you guys say social security, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. I think so. In Canada, <laughs> in Canada, we say social insurance. He had two gotcha. social security numbers that he worked under and he was getting his health benefits for his disabilities uh, based off of the one that he did all the work for the military mm-hmm. and military industrial complex companies like Morrison Knudsen that are known for building, uh, you know, tunnel structures and, right. and all that type of stuff. So there's a lot of true things about him, but mm-hmm. I think he, it's the nineties, you know, we're just coming out of the eighties. He's like, how am I going to blow this subject up? So I look like Rambo walking yeah. into these conferences. Right. And he just goes, okay, guys, I got into a firefight with aliens. I shot them with the Walter PPK, you know, right. James I'm Bond's gun. These, yeah, I'm missing these fingers, so obviously that's how it <laughs> right. happened. Right. Yeah. So he blew up the story bigger, so he made a bigger splash. But just the documentation that he went to the conferences with, just the military background from his family and – the subject itself about underground bases is where the credibility is. You know, that's right. where right. people should focus on. But he's this larger than life figure and people still to this day, uh, you know, love him, hate him. And it's it's just an interesting story. So that's why we we made it. Well, so and, and here's the thing. This is a, a prime example. And this is one of the reasons that, you know, as much as we love this kind of field, we love talking about this. It is so frustrating because you have something that there's probably some there proof in here there's truth in here in what lies but a lot of times there's so many things around that that get so mucky that it just automatically turns people off they're like ah no there's and then so this story is ignored and that's what's it's, it's just frustrating because this is what you get and this is a prime story of that um can we shift gears a little bit steven i wanted to kind of bring you in we wanted to ask your take on this your take on the documentary um phil schneider what's your viewpoints on this i have spent a lot of time in london and uh, <clears throat> whenever i'm there the where i stay is uh, about a hundred feet from an entrance to the london underground hmm. so it's fantastic you just walk out the door walk 100 feet into the underground. You can go anywhere in London you want to go. Uh, so it makes, it makes being there a pleasure. So one, one time I, I brought up on the internet a, uh, a 3D map of the London underground showing all of the tunnels, depth, angles, changes, whatever. And, the, and it's, they go pretty deep. Right. And a lot of these were built a hundred years ago, more than a hundred years ago. Now, imagine the technology we have now for, for going underground, for tunneling, for just creating facilities. It's off the charts. And it's notable that it's not discussed much. You just don't see it much. The government never talks about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, occasionally something will turn up. They'll show a machine on a, History Channel show, but overall, this is just sort of a off the off the uh, menu item. Uh, they would rather we did not know that much about the the, the state of the art tunneling tech. 
Uh, Elon Musk, though, tends to bring it up. He brags about it. He does. Because uh, he wants yeah. to build a Hyperloop. Of course, and they don't like, I'm sure the government is not happy with that. But Elon does whatever the hell Elon wants to do. <laughs> yeah. And so the fact is, is that I think the average citizen should know that the government has had for a long time the technology to create vast facilities underground. Just simply that. It took those people in Turkey uh, a long time to carve out those uh, underground cities that they created there. Uh, they're okay. I mean, they're not spectacular, but they're kind of cool. Darren Kuyu in Capitol Darren Kuyu, that's yeah. right. Um, now we can create things that make that look like nothing. So why is that important? The national security state is built on secrecy, coercion. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. Uh, when you got Google Earth, you can go anywhere on the planet, even Area 51. Mm-hmm. Just dial it up. It comes right up in your screen. Even in Russia, there are places that are pixelated out, but it's remarkably few. That's the world. And that world's been around for a while. And before that, it was other types of tech that just made it easier and easier for people to just figure out what's going on. They've known about this and anticipated this. They went underground. How much is underground that is owned and operated by the United States government is unknown, and it is a problem. It's another world that the press can't get to, the academics can't get to, the private citizens can't get to. Whatever the hell they're doing down there, we have no idea. It's absolutely ideal. And, of course, the Germans understood this, too. They went underground early and stayed underground, built all these facilities with equipment a fraction as powerful as ours uh, for, to, for, for their secret weapons programs and on and on and on and all, all, a lot of other awful things that they did. I'm not suggesting that we're operating that way, but we have this underground reality. Mm-hmm. And the ET issue, that's where it is. If the engineering is going on, it's underground. You just don't put it above ground. And other research, bioweapons research, a lot of it could be underground, though they do have labs above ground. And so this is another world. Another, it's this, I call it the basement of the secret empire. Ultimately, this is not going to work out well. There's going to be bad things come from this. So, so explain as that. As it happens. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry? I was going to ask you to explain that a little bit when you talk about that because th- th- there is an inev- – it's inevitable that – as we get technology there, you know, of course they have to stay a step ahead because technologies, they can't control that. And yada, yada, yada. What, what define that a little bit, what you just said. I simplify it. Power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Secrecy corrupts. Absolute secrecy corrupts. Absolutely. So underground classified programs is absolute secrecy. And almost a license to do anything because you simply can't be found. You're only limited by the ability to maintain the the secrecy within the personnel that are there. Mm -hmm. And they have very strong means to do that. Mm -hmm. Not not simply paying well and providing benefits, but draconian punishments for anybody that wants to speak out about these underground facilities. And they don't. And the people that wow. do are suspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm not including Sauter here. Now, Richard Sauter is one of the key guys that did this research. Didn't bring him any joy, I'll tell you. He didn't have an easy ride. We don't even know where he is now. 
I think somebody knows. He's still in he's still in Ecuador. Oh, he's in Ecuador. Yeah. He, he, so he's in Ecuador getting uh, away from it all and, and, and not having to deal with uh, this issue in, in, in America. But again, they don't want you to go there. So it's important because whatever is underground, the ET issue is underground. And therefore, it is significant to the disclosure movement. And so I'll talk about it. And I support Darcy's effort to bring it out and others that are mm-hmm. trying to do it. But it's it's not an area that that has gotten anywhere near the attention of so many above ground things that have taken place. Cattle mutilations, crop circles, yeah. Mendelssohn, uh, Bentwater, uh, O'Hare. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Underground? Yeah. No, because you can't get there. I've, I've, I've driven across the desert many times. I've driven across Texas. I've driven across New Mexico, Arizona, Utah. Mm-hmm. You realize the government owns most of that land? You should check oh, a map yeah. sometime oh, of the land that absolutely. the government owns. And it's vast. And so they have, they have the ability to do anything and to do it securely and in secret. They can fund it in secret. And that leads to abuse of power. And so it is one of the many things that needs to be reformed. I'm not expecting them to open up their underground facilities anytime soon. But if we get confirmation of the ET presence, if the president of the United States finally confirms ET presence and we enter the post-disclosure world, there will be a considerable amount of pressure brought on the government to start uh, informing us uh, if, if, in ab- if, if only in abstract uh, or in an abstract uh, what the hell they're doing. Mm-hmm. how far it goes, and what is the scope of their facilities. Um, but not until after disclosure. That's one of many things that we'll have to wait for that. And so that's why I'm attached to, the, to this film and, and why it's important. Um, it's kind of fun, you know, underground, secrets, kind of cool. Right. You like to be working like down there? T- with aspiring, you're like 12 years old, all this yeah, stuff going absolutely. on. Yeah, yeah. I, I've, 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 I've oftentimes uh, uh, compared the managers of the extraterrestrial issue and other programs uh, who are predominantly men, that's changing, obviously. But if you, do, you go back a few decades, it's all men. You can't find a woman hardly. It's like the kids in the backyard with the treehouse that they built. It's the, got the, the club. Got to have a code word to get in. It's, you meet yeah. there in the middle of the night and have your stuff. I think that you never lose that as you grow up. This is not good in a modern state. This is not where you want to go. And so this is an issue that, that needs to be resolved. And we shall see how that goes. What do you think what do you think it would take for the government to come out with like the capital D disclosure that you know we all want that they they recognize the ET presence and they just come out and say it? What what do you think would have to come? It, it uh, well we it'll take what it takes. Yeah. And that's up to many of the players involved, but it's difficult and complicated because there are so many players. Right. This is incredibly implicative and affects just about any aspect of government, national security you can imagine. So there's so many players that it's, it's hard to hurt. It's like herding cats in a way to get them to maybe get in the same page, but fundamentally what it took, because we're in the last weeks and months of disclosure, mm-hmm. I mean, of, of the truth embargo now, is a substantial, almost critical mass of people within the national security structures. Mm-hmm. And this took a long time to happen. All right. A lot, mm-hmm. a lot of work and effort by a lot of people whose names will never be known wow. to get us there. But as of 
October of 2017, we formally learned we were there. And on that day, when the To The Stars Academy launched, for those that followed this issue, not everybody, they would have just seen it as an organization just announced. So what? Someone like myself, so much more than that. Uh, we learned then that that near critical mass had been reached and that there, were a, there was a significant coterie of people still working under government payroll, still under full secrecy and non-disclosures who could not possibly uh, pursue this openly or at all uh, directly. But they had reached a point where they were willing to get on the disclosure train and do something proactive that could now take us across the, the, the goal line. The last 70 years, a lot of citizens, regular people with very little money out of their own pockets have been researching and writing blogs and, and, and magazines and books and giving conferences and so forth for decade after decade, while at the same time their own government is saying, what are you talking about? Oh, uh, God. That was like the team, the running team that took the ball up on the one yard line and for 60 some years was just moving it up the field one yard at a time, but making progress. Yep. yep. And then as we get down the field, all of a sudden, the, uh, the, the superstars turned up mm-hmm. and we handed the ball to them and they're going to take it across the goal line. They're going to spike the football. They're going to hold up the Super Bowl trophy. Mm-hmm. And those people are members of the To the Stars Academy team. Uh, they're no longer. They've left. The, the key, three key people have left. They, they've moved into a different position to do what they got to do. So they're not part of the To the Stars Academy anymore. But they, initially, that was the group. And that is what it takes. So when they did what they did, when they announced the To the Stars, when they went to the New York Times with those extraordinary stories that were published in the Times with extraordinary evidence, they sent a message out to those in the know. Uh, and this was the message. One, there is significant support within the Pentagon and other agencies to end the truth embargo. Mm-hmm. Two, if you've got, if you're interested in getting involved here, you've got something to say, it's probably getting to the point where you can do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, uh, the bar has been lowered. But in a different place without anybody chastising you, your danger, any of that, like that we're in that area. Absolutely. At, Absolutely. At point. There's oh. been a total sea change. Yeah. The Navy talking about, Hey, pilots, tell us what you find. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A few decades ago was open your mouth. You won't fly again. Right. You'll oh. be working in a potato bin in the bottom of the aircraft carrier. Mm-hmm. And so there's been a total sea change and that's what triggered it. Now the, the, it has been evolving since then. And you're seeing developments with the Navy, with the army, with uh, Harvard scientists, with uh, uh, journalists turning up, starting new projects, heavy, heavily, uh, very significant projects. It's bubbling so fast that I can't, I can't keep up, which is what I had hoped would happen. And so that's what it takes. And it's yeah. taken it. And it's had. It's, ha- it's happened. And so barring any any new curveballs being thrown our way, mm-hmm. uh, barring any serious impediments that, that history can dish up. We can end this truth embargo this spring. Wow. Uh, and wow. I'm talking about why and how on every single microphone I can get in front of. And uh, I've, I'm getting in front of a lot of them and I'm just getting warmed up. Do you think a lot of that information is going to come from the, uh, the UAP task force headed by Marco Rubio? 
They uh, supposedly no, uh, well, have 180 days to release right. some of their findings. Uh, yeah, good question. Look, Marco Rubio is not part of the task force, but Our, uh, yeah. he, he put language in the appropriations bill because he saw everything that was going on. Right. Yeah, he can read yeah. the New York Times. He can he can he can he can he can look at a gun camera footage video of a tic tac and realize mm, that's pretty interesting. So he's seeing this and he decided I want to get involved here mm-hmm. in the middle of all this super partisan nonsense that has been going on. Mm-hmm. He's a smart guy. He's very transactional. Uh, and it's dangerous to get involved. Let me tell you, uh, even now, as a pol- in, in this political arena, and al- it's almost dangerous to open your mouth in the political arena. But he br- had a brilliant move. So he puts this language in the appropriations bill. He was the chair of the committee then. He could do that. Saying, I'm seeing all these things. Uh, I think we need reports back from some agencies. We need to know more what you know, what are your plans, and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's not disclosure. That's not what he called for. He said, let's, let's see some records. And by the way, I'm giving you six months. To, uh, to get back to us, you can take that long, right. uh, and we'll start that <laughs> clock when the bill's signed. Well, hell, the bill didn't get signed for three more months. It wasn't signed till December, so that deadline's in the middle of June. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Rubio wasn't up for election this last time, so he was totally safe. So he got into the game without any risk to himself. Uh-huh. That's what was going on there. Nice. I have no idea what those agencies are going to come back with. And there's a good possibility they may just go ahead and, and serve up a cold bowl of chicken soup. That's kind of uh, what I think. Uh, and that's a problem, right? That is a Absolutely. risk. They've done it before. They've been doing it for 70 years. Redacted. Uh, sorry, they got burned in a fire. Uh, we don't know what you're talking about. Can't find it. I mean, not that we don't get things from time to time. Yeah. But they, the, the FOIA is not what people think it is. It's not a a legal push demanding that certain things come from the government. No, it's right. a request. And the government will give you what it wants when it wants, period, no matter how many of those you file. Yeah. And if you want to file lawsuits, they're welcome. You can do that and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars. You still won't get it. Yeah, I mean, they could give you 500 pages, but 289 of them are blacked out. What could oh, that yeah, that, that's you? another way they can do yeah, it. This, yeah. is a, this is a way of serving up something but not really anything, but it makes you look like you're trying to comply. The FOIA, right. in terms of certain issues like the ET issue, mm-hmm. has been a shell game, a con game mm-hmm. all these years. But it's, it was wonderful uh, for the government because most people thought, hey, this is how you get stuff from the government. We can do that. It's America. We can do that when, in fact, it was a ruse, which is uh, one of the many mechanisms they used. And so... One of the six reasons why hearings must happen in this spring is because if they don't, and they're preparing to do this, I mean, they're in the works. The question is whether they pull the trigger. If they don't hold those hearings and these agencies decide, you know, I think we can kick this can down the road a little bit more. Let's just serve them up some silly, you know, nothing big, nothing fancy. Just give it to the, you know, the Senate. And, that, and then that would tell the congressional chairs, Oh, man, there's, there's, there may not be anything here. We can't risk having hearings. And suddenly the thing settles down again. Not that it couldn't yep. be pumped up. I'm just saying yep. that that is a big risk. And, On the other hand. And, and, that's, and that's absolutely the fear, I think, of all of us is the spoon-fed bullshit game that's happening. It really possibly can continue to happen. It could continue. Very easy. Because, because the, whoever's backing the TTSA, there are plenty of people inside the military intelligence complex that do not want this to go forward. Now, they obviously can't stop the TTSA, but they're opposed. And so, but on the other hand, if we hold hearings this spring and the agencies are watching these hearings on television and they're seeing military witness after military witness 
come forward with extraordinary testimony as a serving or former member of the military and having already taken an oath and then taking another oath in front of the Congress. Mm-hmm. And they see this testimony come out and they're saying, wow, this is it. Trains leaving the station. Uh, let's take advantage of this Rubio request and let's just dish up some good stuff and get on the train too. So you see, it's one way it's ideal. The other way it could be fatal. Right. And so that's one of six reasons why I'm going to be flapping my lips a lot over the next uh, 40 to 45, 60 days. We've got to get these. We can't let these hearings not happen. Yes, and, and we'll back you 100 percent because it, it. Yeah, something's got to break and, and, you, and you need you need the voices to make it break. So um, speaking of break, we're going to take one real quick. Uh, Darcy and Stephen, if you don't mind, uh, everybody will be back in a second. Believe in UFOs? Felt that chill up your spine that you just can't explain? Contemplate the other side of reality? Do you shake your head at the world that seems to have lost its common sense? Well, look no further than Strange Uncles. Find them on all podcast platforms and call their hotline to tell your side of reality at 801-252-6945. Open the gates. So everybody, we are back with Darcy Ware and Stephen Bassett. Um, Want to shift gears a little bit and kind of wrap up uh, the Schneider story a bit, Darcy? If you're okay with that, I totally. found it. You know, you had said that you weren't sure, and and correct me if I could be wrong. I'm sorry because it's so much stuff going on right now with everything and all this. Well, you were saying earlier that you didn't think that he actually that he was either killed or he committed suicide because I I found it very fascinating i guess of how he actually was found dead i don't know if you want to cover that or do any of yeah that. yeah totally um so you know people will debate this and uh the way that he was found in his apartment he was living in basically a motel at the time you know not a rich guy um and he was found face down in his wheelchair uh, deceased uh he was there for about four days i think the hotel manager noticed that there was a smell coming from his uh, apartment and so called the police police you know broke in the door and the uh investigation with the police didn't last that long it was pretty much open shut oh he's passed away he's dead um it's when his body got to the funeral home the director of the funeral home he ended up calling Cynthia Dreyer when he found uh, Phil's catheter cord wrapped around his throat really tightly. And, you know, Mm. uh, the crime scene photos and stuff show blood on the ground and looks like there's a bit of a, uh, you know, it doesn't look like it was a well-orchestrated suicide. You know, it looked like there was a bit of a flurry in the apartment and how you could strangle yourself with your own catheter cord. Um, that is, that's probably the questionable item there. Uh, I, I, I mean, I would have to speak to somebody that understands that a bit better in terms of suicide, um, in order to believe that he could have done it himself. 
the interesting thing that Cynthia did was she, she really, um, she leaded the investigation because from the start, she thought it was fishy that he was dead. And when the autopsy report came back, they said they sent blood and urine samples off to a lab to be tested. She followed up six months later, as she was told to do, they said they lost those samples. So that's strange, you know, especially when there's an investigation undergoing uh, the actual cause of death. But the the coroner that ended up getting involved with the autopsy of his body, um, the report said that he just died from asphyxiation. So originally his uh, death was ruled by the police of natural causes. Funeral director calls Cynthia. Cynthia calls the police. Detective gets assigned. They start doing a bit more research into it. They get a coroner involved from the police department. They do a full autopsy, asphyxiation, send off uh, blood and urine samples. Oh, uh, we lost them. End of case. So really strange. Yeah, Yeah, really strange. Documents were missing from his uh, apartment. Things that he was on lecture tour with. Maybe some of this stuff was what the people that the person or whoever, if he was murdered, this was the intent to secure documentation Mm -hmm. that was of interest. You know, there's all kinds of wackos out there. It could have been an inside job. It could have been, um, you know, just somebody that took interest in Phil and wanted what he had. There's people like that out there. So I don't know who killed him. Um, Cynthia had her ideas as to who that was. Uh, but I don't think he committed suicide. Fair enough. So was there anybody that, that you guys know of that, compounded and and said the same thing he did when it came to you know yes we're talking about underground bases he was part of that construction work and then this alien encounter that he had anybody else in that time frame come out to say the same thing to verify what he said or is he just kind of on his own soapbox he was on his own soapbox and that's why he was so interesting um like i said before paul benowitz had already talked about the Dulles, new mexico base right up until 1990 when he died. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Phil could have been interested in that. If we were to just go completely down a different road and say, maybe Phil just fabricated everything, but then there's interesting things like the documents showing his father, Oscar Otto Schneider. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's a photo in the documentary and a manifest list uh, he's standing on top of the USS Nautilus. He was a, uh, a key figure on uh, testing that submarine in the ocean. And that was the United States' first top secret nuclear-powered submarine. Um, and Oscar was brought over under Project Paperclip from the Nazi... Oh. Uh, yeah, American... From the Nazi uh, Navy... Uh-huh. He worked as a U-boat, U-boat captain at that time, uh, World War II. He was brought over under Project Paperclip to the United States 
to work for the American Navy. And the American Navy is the ultimate, you know, uh, information hub about the UFO subject and any black budget projects that are, you know, the the absolute secret these guys would know and have I, and, and have yeah. the best people working on this stuff. Yeah, I was good. I, so I served time in the Navy and, uh, and you know, what we call scuttlebutt of what we would hear. And this was back in the, you know, uh, early nineties, late nineties timeframe, just, just floored me. You know, some of the things you would hear, the rumors you would hear, the reasons we were out doing what we were doing and again, you know, not necessarily in a car espionage all the time. Of course, you know, it's military. You go to port to port, whatever have you. But I did find it funny that there were just so many things that just didn't. Well, why are we doing this again? So I, yeah, I understand when you talk about the Navy. Well, and then, of course, you know, we get back to. So we get back to this a little bit, if you guys don't mind. Um, Stephen, you brought up ET presence. And we talk about uh, the TikTok and these other things that have happened and where we're progressing with what this looks like. Could you define that ET presence a little bit more? We talked about underground. We talked about all this other stuff. What what does that look like to you guys as far as what that needs, what what kind of disclosure that looks like? Well, the, in the activist movement, disclosure with a capital D is the goal, mm-hmm. defined as the goal. Uh, and... It, it, it's a little confusing because disclosure is also used in the, as an uh, improper noun, meaning uh, the process of revealing, research, and all that. That's disclosure, small d. The capital D is the event. It's the announcement. Some people now call that confirmation, but really it's, it's formal confirmation. Mm-hmm. It's a government confirmation from the head of state. That, that's basically the goal here. Uh, and... When I say confirmation, it's confirmation of the extraterrestrial presence. Not necessarily getting into specifics. Exactly okay. how okay. present, when present, why, whatever. No, just present. They're here. Which race, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so to keep it simple, most of what, almost all of what the government really knows about this issue will be learned by us after disclosure, not before. Mm-hmm. We've learned some before, but not that much. Most of it, the vast majority, will come after disclosure over weeks, months, and years. But until we have disclosure, until we have that confirmation, we're not getting, we're not going much further. We're, we're stuck. Mm-hmm. Do you think we need to be worried about anybody in the national uh, security Anybody involved with that, that they would be kind of pulling a Richard Doty on the public and 100%. kind of saying that they yeah. would, you know, here's here's this full disclosure. We're letting you guys know this, but then they're misleading us down this way to fully believe something like, does that make sense? Like, do we need to be afraid of getting, you know, Paul Benowitz to, uh, for no. lack of a better? <laughs> well, you're you're comparing Richard Doty, who's a tiny little figure in the. Yeah. Air Force Office of, uh, you know, Special Investigations. Counterintelligence. To uh, the President of the United States. Mm-hmm. And there's just no comparison. We're talking well, about I mean, but do formal you would, confirmation uh, from the President. Yeah. Okay. Accompanied, I mean, I just, by, accompanied by evidence. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they, they can provide all the evidence they, they need to ensure that there's no ambiguity. Not to mention that after, if our President were to make that announcement, which will 
which will, what hearings need to happen first, mm-hmm. other heads of state will follow with the, with the same announcement. Yeah. So it's yeah. a done deal. There's no ambiguity there at all. Now, the particulars of that presence, obviously, w- people are going to want to know a lot about that. The researchers have some ideas. We have some information. I have more than some. Others have much more than me. But the general public do not. And so they need to, to learn about this presence. But uh, what can I say? I, uh, we know there's multiple species. We know that they, there are certain things that they do. Uh, we know that um, uh, they're having direct contact with humans on a covert basis, uh, which is let's go down that big road. Deal. <laughs> I don't mean and to that, and, that, and, we, and that, that's going to be after disclosure. That, if you're going to, sure. the government sure. will be dealing with that after disclosure, not before disclosure, but they will have to deal with it because it's it's a fact. It's no longer a theory. Uh, right. There's hundreds of thousands of reports now that have accumulated from contactees. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't think those are hundreds of thousands of hoaxes. Uh, these are private correspondences to researchers, most of them, no money exchange, no fame, no nothing, just, hey, I've got a story. So hundreds of thousands is enough for me. It may even be a million. Well, and not only that, but a lot of these people that, that you know, they claim, oh, yeah, they're just making that up. Well, wait a minute. A lot of these people that are claiming that, they have no, there's nothing they're gaining from this other than no, their, no, their no. reputation completely being ruined. You know, because they yeah, they have this yeah, thing, yeah, it's, you know. It's, it's a fact. I mean, there are people that try to debunk it. Fine. Uh, you can't stop that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but ET contact with humans is a fact. All right. And that actually is going to be the end of all the regular listeners. Thank you very much. But this remainder actually is going to be for Patreon listeners. Um, bonus epi- just bonus material. This interview ran so long that we, we just really didn't know what to do with it. So we figured we'd throw it back to uh, you, the strangers. And so hopefully you guys enjoy it. And if you want to join our Patreon, visit us at Josh Hiss with those. Uh, you can find us at patreon.com slash strange uncles, where you can find a tier of support that is to your liking. I recommend the $25 tier. Um, although that's not for everyone. Um, we do have more affordable options for you pores. Um, so, you know, you can sneak in at the five or $10 <laughs> tier also, or even just a buck to say, Hey, uh, appreciate it. Um, that's where you can find that. You can find us on social media at Strange Uncles Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Strange Uncles on Twitter. Uh, we don't post as much as we would like, but we're looking to change that. Um, so, you know, find us, follow, like, subscribe. Leave us a great review, uh, especially on Apple Podcasts um, or even a negative one if you have something to complain about, which... Um, I don't think you should, but I mean, if you do, whatever. It's America. Well, if you have something to complain about, email us instead of leaving it a review. Uh, that might be easier at strangejungles at gmail.com. Just kind of keep it off the review page. That might help or us. Or you can bit, but, yeah, call and you know. curse Shane out at uh, 801-252-6945. Oh, yeah. Let us know. So, yeah. Also, uh, you know, if you got something to complain about, this is a free show. So just fucking listen to something else. You know what? Hey, you know, uh, I believe that does qualify as protected speech under the First (laughs) Amendment uh, there, John. I I think it does. 
Absolutely. Yeah, but, Jog um, on, everyone who doesn't like it. Yeah, let's uh, let's uh, continue with this uh, conversation in Patreon. Absolutely. Uh, thank you to all the listeners. Yep, yep. Patrons, enjoy, because it does get uh, – pull up your hip boots, because it does get deeper. I'm jealous that you get to hear this for the first time. <laughs>